Well, a big hello from me. If I've not met you before, I'm Phil. I lead the team at St. Paul's and it is my great privilege to introduce our guest speaker today. Andy Ryder is the Dean of Mission in the Stepney area and is responsible for growth and strategy and spurring on the church here in East London. And he's been a great friend and support to us at St. Paul's and to Charlotte and I personally. And we are thrilled for him to come and open God's word and speak with us today. So before we meet Andy, let's read together from Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Good morning, St. Paul's. It's great to be with you. I've been a fan of St. Paul's Shadwell for a long time, and it's great to be with you today. The real treat is I'm doing this using an auto cue, which means I don't need my glasses. Huh. Anyway, in my role as Dean of Mission, a Bible passage that tells of a person's conversion to Jesus is a bit of a peach. Acts 8 is also the passage I've used for 30 years in preparing people for their baptism. I love this story. 
The Ethiopian in Acts 8 is like everyone who has ever got baptised. He goes through three key steps before the big day. Number one, he comes to understand who Jesus is. Number two, he comes to understand what Jesus has done for him. And three, he realises the free gift of God's love and presence. Then he says yes. Yes to following and serving Jesus for the rest of his life. It's a baptism course on a page, if you like. Well, before we look at Acts 8, though, I want to take you back to Easter. Not the roast lamb, the Christmas pudding and the chocolate eggs. Yep, yep, I have Christmas pudding on Easter day. But the story of the first Easter is told by John in his gospel. In particular, chapter 20, verses 20 to, 20 to 22. Let me read that for you. I'm going to start from verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Verse 20, after he said this, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus spoke, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What John tells us in these three amazing verses is what people who meet the risen Jesus are really like. They are overjoyed. They are full of joy. They are sent to change the world. They are full of purpose and they are given Jesus' spirit. They are full of the Holy Spirit. And this is God's gift to us too, as we encounter the risen Jesus Christ. Well, the rest of the New Testament, literally from John 21 onwards, reveals to us what life is like when Jesus' followers and friends are full of joy, full of purpose, and full of the Holy Spirit. Fishermen become preachers, soldiers become missionaries, women lead churches, the young lead churches, the church grows, people put their faith in Jesus. Jesus' followers are led to high-ranking government officials and they choose to give their life to Jesus. From the 15 or 20 people who met Jesus on the evening he rose from the tomb, holy joy, holy purpose and the Holy Spirit have spread around the world so that today, two billion people claim to follow Jesus. That is phenomenal. And so we come to Acts 8. It's just one of millions of stories of what happens when a friend and a follower of Jesus, living this strange yet beautiful resurrection life, goes through life led by God. Philip, now, he was not a star amongst the disciples. He was okay, but he was nothing special. The day of the miraculous picnic, he's the one who is asking, where should we go to buy enough bread? Practical he was, but not really very faithful. At the Passover feast, a crowd of Greeks come to him and say, can we see Jesus? He anxiously sends them to Andrew. So to find Philip in Acts 8, a model of personal evangelism, is so encouraging. If Philip can do it, then you and I can do it too. The key, as you might not be surprised to hear, is that Philip is full of joy, purpose, and the Holy Spirit. Earlier in Acts 8, verses 5 to 8, we read that Philip goes down to a city in Samaria, and he talks about Jesus. And when the crowds heard him speaking and saw the signs he performed, they all paid massive close attention to what he was saying. Many were healed and, and many were released from their past. And there was great joy in that city. You see, joy is infectious. 
Not the superficial happiness that people talk about today, but that deep down joy which bubbles up from a sense of faithful assurance that all is well between me and my maker. In fact, living in the light of the resurrection is infectious itself. In this Acts 8 story, we see God using Philip to change a person's life forever. So how does it work? Well, what is coming up is a mini course in personal evangelism. And there are four steps. I know, I know, preachers love three. But today, there are four. Four steps in personal evangelism, in sharing our faith with others. Number one, double listening. Number two, talk to strangers. Number three, talk about Jesus. And number four, invite a decision. Double listening. Now, this is a phrase first used by John Stott, who uh, we've been celebrating this last week, 100 years since his birth. Uh, he, he used it in one particular way. I'm using it in a slightly different way here. Listening to the world and listening to God. Philip was on the road that runs 50 miles southwest from Jerusalem to the coastal port of Gaza. Presumably, the Ethiopian planned to sail back to Africa. Philip is aware of others on the road. He's clocked the tall African government official in his chariot, reading. But Philip is also listening to the murmurings of the Holy Spirit. And he hears a divine nudge to approach the chariot. It's as if an angel whispered into his ear, go and speak with that man. I've got a friend who this happens to often. They'll sometimes be at a bus stop and they just hear the Holy Spirit say, go and speak to that person. In fact, I always used to say to the church welcome team and the prayer ministry team, have your spiritual antennae up. Be listening for the spirit. There are some people we meet, aren't there, that are great at hearing God, but seem completely out of touch with the world around them. And there are other folk that are really earthy and practical, as Philip had been, but haven't really yet learned to hear God. God needs people who are in the world, but not of it who clock what's going on, but listen to the Spirit. He wants you and me to be double listeners. Secondly, secondly, talk to strangers. Oh my word, this is so easy for extroverts, isn't it? Your challenge, if you're an extrovert, is the next step, to use the conversation for God's purpose and not for idle gossip. But for those of you who fear the chat in the barber's chair or the wait for a delayed bus or even secretly are quite pleased there is no coffee after church at the moment, I'm sorry, but Jesus would love you to start saying hello to folks more often. I love chatting to people. Getting to know my new neighbours, I've just moved to Bow, is fun. Meeting folk in my new church is great. My wife, Carol, she's not quite so keen. But if we are to love our neighbour as Jesus commands, I have a hunch it starts by saying hello and opening ourselves up to vulnerability and foolishness for Jesus. Philip, this rather average, mediocre disciple who lacks the confidence of his friends, having received the Holy Spirit, overcomes his shyness, heeds the divine nudge and runs alongside the Egyptian's chariot. I don't think the Bible records the opening conversation quite accurately. Let me tell you what I think perhaps happened. Great wheels you've got there. Where are you headed? 
Oh, duh, I'm going to Gaza. The road stops there. There's nowhere else to go and there ain't nothing in the desert. That's where I'm going. Are you okay? Are you training for the Jerusalem Marathon? You look absolutely exhausted. I'm okay. I'm okay. <sighs> I saw you and I wondered what on earth you were reading. And as I got closer, it sounds like you're reading our prophet Isaiah. <gasps> Stop the chariot. Get this man a glass of water. I am reading Isaiah and I've no idea what he is on about. The third step is talk about Jesus. Okay, so these days people don't tend to travel around reading out loud from their Bible looking confused. But if they did, are we ready and willing to help them understand who Jesus is? One of the biggest problems we have today with the lack of church growth is the fear that sits within church members. For some, it's a fear of being found out. For others, it's the fear of being asked to explain our faith. And for many of us, it is the fear of looking or sounding silly when we try. Now, God knew this centuries ago, centuries ago. That's why he got Paul to write to the Corinthians that we should become fools for Christ. And he assured us that our foolishness pleases God but the world's version of wisdom looks completely nuts to God. You can read it yourself in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Here's the thing. Jesus also knows how hard it is for us. It's why he said to his friends and his followers in Luke 12, when you are in a tight spot, the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. In fact, he will teach you what to say before you're in a tight spot, through your daily Bible readings and your devotions. And when you are in a tight spot, do the double listening. Keep the spiritual antennae up and the Holy Spirit, we've been told, will not desert you. He will never desert you. In fact, and this is the thing that people forget, the Holy Spirit is probably already at work in the other person. The Holy Spirit was probably already in that Ethiopian eunuch that Philip met on the, on the desert road. Well, Philip does steps one, two, three. He double listens, he chats to the stranger, and he explains that Jesus is the answer. And then the Ethiopian begins to catch Philip's joy. He sees for the first time that Jesus is for real. He realizes what Jesus has done for him. And he says, what do I do next? Actually, if you've got your eyes on the Bible, uh, he asks Philip if he can be baptized. And Philip is straight in there helping him give his life to Jesus. Step four is the inviting a decision step. And Philip allows the Ethiopian eunuch to make a decision that day. He doesn't get embarrassed or awkward about it. He allows him to make a decision for Jesus. I remember a guy called Nigel when I was at college many years ago studying business studies. About the same time, there was a song out by a band called XTC. Some of you might remember it from the 70s. We're making plans for Nigel. It could have been written about him. In my eyes, Nigel was a complete and utter wimp. But in God's eyes, he was a spiritual giant. Nigel told me his church was praying for me. I spun the wheels of my Mini in the gravel car park, racing off, feeling completely indignant. But to be honest, I was overwhelmed. Overcome, I was in tears. Nigel gave me a book to read about Jesus. Nigel told me about his own relationship with Jesus. And one day, Nigel asked me if I wanted to follow Jesus. 
Well, a few months later, I said yes. Like the Ethiopian and all those who get baptized, I went through those three key steps. I first had to understand who Jesus is. I needed to know what Jesus had done for me. And I came to realize the free gift of God's love and his presence in my life. And then I said yes to following and serving Jesus. We must invite others to make that same decision or we're depriving them of the greatest relationship available, a life-changing relationship with the same Jesus who stood amongst his friends just 12 hours after rising from the dead and said, peace be with you. I'm sending you to change the world. Here, be filled with my spirit. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes on, how can they call on him when they have not believed in him? How can they believe in him unless they hear about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? How can anyone tell of Jesus unless they are sent? He goes on further, as it is written, we have all been sent and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of Jesus. We are a people, not just full of joy and the Holy Spirit, we are full of holy purpose too. How beautiful are they who are full of joy, purpose and the Holy Spirit, who hear God's voice and chat to strangers. Just think what God might do through you. Let me, before I go, pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to ask your blessing on everybody who's heard this little talk, who's watched this little video. I want to pray that each and every one of us would grow in confidence in Jesus, that the resurrection power that rose Jesus from the dead would be working within us, granting us that deep down assurance, that joy, that holy joy of knowing Jesus, giving us a sense of his purpose, that we are a sent people and filling us with the Holy Spirit, that we might go in his name to do his will for his glory. Amen. Thank you, St. Paul's. It's been great being with you this morning.